Well, I want to, um, I'll go ahead and just apologize to everyone beforehand. I have a head full of allergens uh, this morning, which is uh, uh, causing a good deal of, of fuzz head um, right now. So I would ask for your prayers, but you guys are the ones that are going to have to sit through a sermon uh, from me, so you might just, you might just save them for yourselves. Um, <laughs> But I apologize if I just, you know, lose my place or start staring off into space, just, uh, just continue with communion. So. <laughs> well, you know, so I was thinking about Advent uh, again, and it really is a whole lot like preparing for uh, Christmas, um, for the holiday of Christmas. You know, we, of course, know that really the, the meaning of Advent is looking forward to our Lord's uh, coming again, but it really is fitting that we are also looking forward to this actual holiday of Christmas where we're going to have, God willing, family and friends and, you know, relatives and stuff, you know, come over and everybody uh, celebrate together. Um, and because the thing, the thing about it is that it's not a very good celebration if you leave everything for the night before. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff to prepare. There's food, there's presents, there's decorations. You know, it's stuff that most of us spend all month preparing for and looking forward to when that day is coming. And I bring it up because the message of our gospel this morning is that we ought to prepare for the Lord's coming again in the same way. This is the message of John the Baptist. The second Sunday of Advent, we always hear from John the Baptist, this prophet who announces the Lord Jesus's coming. And his message is that the king, the Lord, is about to arrive. That's that meaning of Advent. This important king is about to arrive. Remember, just as uh, John and just as the, uh, the is the, just as all Israel at this time was looking forward to the first advent of the Messiah coming, so we too are looking forward to the second advent of the Lord coming again. So let's begin at verse two in your gospel this morning. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now this passage is a combination of two Old Testament passages from Isaiah and also from Malachi, and it frames the ministry of John the Baptist. Um, and we should look at each of these two uh, passages from Isaiah and from Malachi to get the full picture of what John's ministry and John's crying out for the coming of the Lord, what that means for us today. Because sometimes it'd be confusing, you know, why are we talking about this John character? We do that so frequently. If he was just the preview of Jesus arriving, why do we keep coming back to John the Baptist again and again? Why does Jesus keep coming back to John and the Baptist again and again? Um, if you actually read the Gospels, uh, it's interesting. I won't go into it, but uh, Jesus is always referring back to John the Baptist, kind of as a as a backstop or as a proof for what he's doing. So why is it that we that we do this? Well, getting into these two Old Testament passages will tell us why. 
why John's message of preparing the way of the Lord is just as living and just as vital for us who are, for us who are preparing for the second advent as for those who are preparing for the first one. So let's look. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Malachi 3.1. I know you can find Malachi real fast. Uh, it's, 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 it's not hard to find, is it? No, it is very hard to find. Um, Malachi 3 verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Mal- the prophet Malachi tells us that the Lord will send his messenger to prepare the way, and that the Lord will come then after that suddenly into his temple. So John the Baptist was that voice calling us to prepare the way of the Lord. So it's, the ba- it's John the Baptist, the prophet, calling us, the people, to prepare the way before the Lord who's coming. But how does John actually do this? Well, in uh, our gospel, we, we, he actually tells us what John the Baptist's ministry was like, what his calling was like. And it's really, really important to take note of this because it's going to tell us what exactly it means to prepare the way of the Lord. Verse 4 tells, in, back in our gospel, verse 4 tells us that John's, was a, John's ministry was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and that everyone everywhere coming to John were confessing their sins. So John is calling us to prepare the way, but not by literally clearing a highway for, or um, maybe more, more to the point, not by you know, leading a, uh, a military struggle or some kind of political movement preparing the way for a, an earthly king that was going to come. Instead, he calls on the people to prepare their hearts. And that indicates that the, the way that Malachi is talking to us about, that way that God wants us once prepared for his coming is not some physical, not some political pathway through the world, but it's actually the way into the hearts of the people that he's called. That's the way that Malachi is calling. That's the way that John the Baptist is calling us to prepare. The way into our hearts. And so preparing the way for the Lord's coming again during Advent means preparing our own hearts for the Lord to arrive. You can think of it this way. Um, You know, Christmas comes on December 25th, whether we're ready for it or not. It just comes every year on December 25th. But, you know, we really do, it really is an accurate thing to say that if we have not prepared and we are not prepared to celebrate it really is a, a, a right way of describing it that we, you know, miss Christmas or we don't have Christmas or Christmas doesn't come this year. To really have Christmas, you know, in your house with your friends or your family or your children, it means you need to do a lot of personal preparation. You know, it's a holiday that everybody celebrates, right? The, the whole country around us, but it's also a personal holiday. It's a, a completely personal one. There's a very real sense in which we miss out on Christmas if we've not prepared for it first. John, in the same way, he's announcing the Lord Jesus' arrival, the King of Kings. But he knew that Jesus' interest wasn't just in the world at large, 
but in the hearts of his own people, in the households, as it were, of his own people. So he told his people to prepare their hearts and their lives for the coming of the Messiah in the flesh. How then are we to prepare the way to our hearts for the Lord's coming in power? So let's look at the second scripture. It's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 4. And this one is actually in your bulletin. You can just flip a couple pages back. It says that in verse 4, these are two things that I want you to, to follow me on. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low. And the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. So valleys lifted up, mountains made low, and uneven ground becoming level. Rough places, smooth, a plain. In the, if you're thinking in the terms of the ancient world, it's really easy to understand what he's talking about here. Because they're thinking about if, if a, a, the Lord, a great king, is coming, uh, then that means that he's coming with a big retinue, you know, a big uh, convoy, you know, a train of, of, you know, horses, chariots, camels. And so preparing the way for that kind of, uh, that kind of train means preparing, you know, the overland place and making it smooth. So they're not running into mountains and going down into valleys or, you know, getting stuck on the rocks, you want to make that way as straight as possible for a king. I actually, uh, in modern terms, excuse me for a moment. In modern terms, I like to think of it actually as kind of like a, a shortwave radio signal. You know, uh, a radio signal travels best when it's um, unobstructed. So keeping the land level helps you get a clear signal across it. To prepare for the Lord's coming again, we need to make sure that there's nothing getting in the way of it and that we're not down in places where we uh, can't hear it, can't receive it. Now, we know that the prophets are talking not about a physical, uh, a physical way, a place where the Lord's coming, but into our own hearts. So what does it mean to knock down the mountains and fill in the valleys of our own lives, of our own hearts, to clear a path, to receive that clear signal coming through. What does it mean? Well, first, let's start with every valley lifted up. And you know, we all have low places in our lives. That's what this is talking about. We all have low places in our lives. These are the places in our, our lives and our hearts where we just feel defeated by life. These are the places in our lives, the places our mind goes to, and we feel like we just can't, absolutely cannot get it together. You know, maybe it's because of tragedy. Maybe it's, fa maybe it's a, a sense of personal failure has caused us not to be in the place in life that we imagined we should be by now. You know, maybe we're going through real uh, physical or medical or financial hardship that just causes us great pain and anguish, causes us to go into that very low place in our hearts, in our lives. You know, maybe, maybe it's because we're struggling with some kind of sinful behavior that we know is wrong, that we know, just haven't been able to eliminate from our lives on our own strength, and we're just depressed about it. 
all of these things can come together and cause, us, cause something in our lives called despair. The low places, those valleys, is talking to us about despair. And despair is the absence of hope. Remember when I talked to you a few weeks ago about the, that great virtue of hope that, that means that sure and certain knowledge that our, our Lord, he's the one who holds our future. We don't have to be afraid of the future. Despair is the opposite of that. It is the absence of hope. It's when we convince ourselves that, uh, that we, our lives are actually just amounts to just a, a big heap of failure and we're just never going to be able to get it together and turn this around. In our spiritual lives, despair can really get in the way of preparing for our Lord's coming. We can despair of the Lord's favor because of whatever it is that's holding us back. We assume that because we've ended up so low, that the Lord, even if, he, even if he's up there, even if he is coming again, certainly he wouldn't stop to take a whole lot of interest in someone like me. Certainly he would just pass me right over. You know, here, you hear this sometimes uh, from folks. You say, yeah, why, don't you, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you consider a relationship with the Lord? Oh, I I'd, think if I dock in the doors of the church, you know, I, I don't know. The lightning might come down and smite me or something like that. The way my life has gone. We count ourselves out. We disqualify ourselves before the race is even run. You know, it makes me think of being a Cowboys fan. Because there's, there's a, you know, there's, because, you know, year after year, you really think it's going to happen. And then it's just, ah, it's just disappointing. And then in order to kind of uh, in, save yourself, kind of inoculate yourself from that disappointment, what do you do? You know, first game of the regular season, Dak throws one pick and you go, ah, it's over. It's over. <laughs> Done. It's one way of kind of cushioning the impact, right? It's a safety, it's kind of a, a, a safety reflex, right, right, preparing the way. And I get it. You know, in our lives as well, we want to prepare, we want to, save, we want to save ourselves from disappointment. But the thing is with the Lord, you don't have to do that. You don't have to set your, light, your sights low. And if that's you today, lift up your weary head. Because the Lord Jesus, it turns out that he is a Messiah because he wants to come into our own hearts He's the sort of Messiah who is intimately familiar with suffering and despair. He came intentionally to those who were poor, to those who were sick, to those who were grieving, to those who were alone, and especially to sinners, those who were far from God. And it, those who were far from God, and it was their own fault. Jesus, it was to such as them that the Lord came. Jesus said, he, when Jesus came to proclaim his ministry, he said, the spirit of God, the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And, you know, it reminds me, there's this Christmas song by this, uh, by this artist I really like named uh, uh, Bruce Coburn. He wrote a, a Christmas song, an original one. He said, you know, it ain't to the palace that the Christ child comes, but to shepherds, to street peoples, hookers, and bums. 
He's right. When challenged on this, why do you hang out with these people? Jesus tells them, I didn't come to the healthy. I came to the sick. You know, who needs a doctor? The healthy? The people who think they're healthy? Or the sick? When the Lord Jesus came down from heaven, he came all the way down. All the way down. He didn't stop at the palace. He didn't stop at the Met Gala or at the Oval Office. He headed all the way down to the people at rock bottom. Everyone that the world ignored, he noticed. A bleeding woman, a leper, a blind beggar, a four-time divorcee, prostitutes, foreigners, the demon-possessed. All these people that the world ignored, Jesus, he dignified them with a response. And he will do that for you too. He has not overlooked you. How could he ever overlook you? He loves you. He created you and even foreknew that you would be in the place that you are today, on this day. So don't despair. Lift up your head. Fill up those valleys in your lives. Prepare for his coming. He's coming for you. What do I mean by that? I don't mean cheer up. <laughs> That's not what I mean. Uh, if you're in real pain, there's really nothing less helpful than someone telling you to cheer up. That's not what I'm telling you to do. What I do mean is this. Don't let your pain turn into despair so that you walk away or you count yourself out from the Lord at his coming, at his advent. Don't let it keep you away from entering his sanctuary. Don't let it keep you away from this sanctuary. When we come here together to worship the Lord, when we lift up our heads and welcome his coming, hear the gospel news of God's unending love for you. Better yet, let your pain drive you to seek his face. Because not only did Jesus spend all this time among the poor, he actually became poor. He suffered greatly on our behalf, even though he was immortal, even though he was God incarnate. And he died the death of a sinner, even though he himself was without sin. That's how he feels about you. Don't despair. Lift up those places. Fill in those valleys. Now, what's the opposite of a valley? What's the, the inverse of a, of a valley? It's a mountain, right? So what is the opposite of despair? Well, the opposite of despair is pride. And that's something that the Bible has quite a few words about, it turns out. I'll just read a few of them, but it's uh, quite, quite a few. It's hard to even summarize. Because sometimes instead of being in a valley where that signal, you know, goes over our head, sometimes a mountain can actually, in our lives, can actually block that signal, meaning that we ourselves can throw things up to get in the way of the Lord's coming, that way into our hearts. Pride, there's a lot of ways to talk about pride. I'll talk about it this way this morning. Pride is anything in your life that even momentarily, even for a minute, makes you think, that you can do life without God. It's whatever makes us think we can accomplish something without him. It's whatever, it makes us think that we know better than what he has revealed to us in his written word. It's whatever makes us think that we're, maybe even for a minute, 
that we're maybe better off apart from God in his body, his church. And as I said, who boy, the Bible has some words for that. Quite a few. There's, they're kind of, there's a lot of them. I'm going to go through a few of them, okay? Because I can't really preach better than them. Proverbs 16, 18 to 19. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. Matthew 23, 12. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Luke 18, 9 to 14, whole parable about it. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated with others with contempt. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector standing afar off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. You know that one? Never be wise in your own sight. Or you can even take it from the Lord's mother when she, it's announced to her that she's going to bear the Messiah. She says, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and has exalted those of humble estate. Think of pride like this. When the king of kings comes along his way, into your life, any obstacle that is in his way is going to be thrown down. The Lord loves you. He loves all his people. He, even, he wants to raise you to those mountaintops. He wants to do that. But anything in your life that is set up as a rival to him is going to be knocked down. And the message of this is probably, don't let it be you. Don't let it be you. Do not make yourself a rival to the king of kings. You will not win. So whatever it is in your own life that you've become, that has made you so pleased with yourself that you feel that God's word in scripture, that a life of prayer is unnecessary, knock those mountains down. Do it now. Don't wait for the fall. Wherever it is in your life uh, that you've become so pleased with yourself that you do not think that Christ's body of the church has anything to offer you, knock that mountain down. Do it now. Don't wait for the fall. Prepare the way of the Lord's coming instead by humbling yourself. Sometimes practically humbling yourself just means this. Sometimes it just means opening your Bible when you don't see any need for it or don't even really particularly want to do it. That's a real act of humility. Sometimes humbling yourself just means participating in the life and the worship of the church when you don't really feel like you have any time for it. Sometimes it's in just those moments when your heart's not in it, but we go for it anyway. That's what it means to humble ourselves. There are opportunities, really. You know, sometimes we, we don't want to wait until our, you know, we really feel it or our heart's really in it. Sometimes you get started, you read scriptures, 
Sometimes you, you, you get started on prayer. Sometimes you come to church and you're going to find by the end of it that your heart is in it, but it wasn't when you started. That's the power of humbling yourself. Humility. It's a real, it's a real act of will. I recommend it though, because the King of Kings is coming. He tells us the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. That's how we prepare for the Lord's coming. We knock down those mountains, those places in our lives that are interfering with his coming to us. So just just to conclude, we've been talking a lot about the coming of Jesus at Christmas, you know, in the past, his first advent, and at his second coming in power and glory. But did you know, the Lord Jesus actually promised that there, he was going to come a third time, another time, a third advent. He promises us this in John 14, chapter 18 to 24. I'm going to read the whole thing again, because I can't really preach better than it. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Advent, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him, Advent, and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. You see, Jesus came once in the flesh and he's coming again at the end of the age. But in between those two, Jesus promises us that he will come again by his spirit to those who keep his words and commandments. This is what the, 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 the I'm sorry, this is what John the Baptist promised. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. And the fact that the Lord comes to us in the Holy Spirit means he shows up in the present. God is still working in the world. It's not something he just got done with in the past, and we're kind of just sitting around waiting for the next act. God's still at work in the world. He still shows up. And just like he did when he came the first time, he does his work in the world by coming to us. We are kind of like his subcontractors kind of like that. Not exactly like that. Don't completely literalize that, but kind of like that. Not like he did the first time. He's not coming like he did the first time as a visible human being. And he's not coming like he will again at the end of time in great power and glory where it'll be obvious to the whole world. No, he actually comes by his Holy Spirit. It's not obvious to the whole world. That's why, that's what Judas asks him. How will you manifest yourself to us and not to the whole world? It's by his Holy Spirit. And when you are baptized into the body of this Messiah, this Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you don't just get a, a get out of jail free card for your sins. You also receive the power and presence of that Holy Spirit and you receive it now in the present. The Bible's constantly telling us that 
when God comes, it's not going to be yesterday and it'll be in the future, but don't worry about that. Instead, it's going to be today. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Luke 4, 21, and Jesus said to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, and it is no different in our time because of the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to make his home with you today in that third advent by his spirit. And it's not just so that we can go through life with nice feelings. It is an invitation to join him as he works in the world, to join that retinue of his coming into the world. We get to actually join it, be a part of it. Just like the apostles did in the book of Acts. The third advent is what we prepare ourselves for daily, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Don't let any despair cause you to miss it. Don't let any pride get in the way of it. Jesus is coming today and come Lord Jesus. Amen.